We are going to be talking about emotions. And I was, uh, Adrian asked me to speak, I think, I don't know, Friday night, something like that. And so I was like, okay, I don't know what I'm going to do. And um, he was kind of going on honor, and I thought, well, should I do an honor? And really, honor is like his life message, you know? And I can just repeat, like, what he says for years. And I mean, I have my own revelation on it. I studied two hours on Tuesday or Wednesday to talk about it. And then I deleted it all after I decided to do the, after I decided to do that test on Wednesday. He goes, why did you delete like two hours of studying? And I was like, except that I wasn't going to use it. So anyways, but I woke up yesterday morning and before I even like had time to spend time with the Lord, I just woke up and I opened my eyes and the Lord said, emotions. I want you to speak on emotions. And so I thought that was really good because I preach a lot about emotions. If you've heard me talk before, I talk on offense, I talk on joy, I talk on hope, I talk on how to live undefended, talk on like strengthening yourself in the Lord. So a lot of, and the goodness of God and his glory and all that, so it all kind of goes along with it. So the Lord's pretty amazing, basically, is all I'm trying to say. Um, so first of all, we're just going to, I'm hoping today, that I help you understand emotions and the biblical basis for emotions and just how we can enjoy them, how God created us to enjoy them, okay? So first of all, we're going to start with negative emotions. So what are some negative emotions? Just call it. Anger. Anger, sadness. Depression. Depression. Right? Okay. So I have some listed too. But depression. First Kings 19, Elijah was depressed. <laughs> he liked it. Was great and mighty, and then he ran under the tree and was sitting on the tree hoping to die. You know? And just wishing to die. And so there's Elijah struggled with depression in the Bible. There's bitterness. Hebrews 12, 5 says, See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God. And that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble. And by it, many become defiled. So bitterness is a negative emotion, which I'm sure we've all been tempted or struggled with bitterness in our past over different issues. Another one, resentment. Job 5, 2 says, for resentment kills the foolish man and jealousy kills the sinful. Guilt, shame. I know we've, I've experienced guilt and shame and things I've done. I know my dog experiences guilt and shame. <laughs> I've got her like trained. I go like this and she like surrenders. It's an immediate like, <laughs> an immediate guilt and shame reaction out of her. Um, jealousy. Where's one of the first signs of jealousy in the Bible? We didn't make it after the first couple chapters on that one. Cain killed Abel. He was jealous because Abel's sacrifice was accepted and his wasn't. The Lord like, even tried to encourage him. You know, he was like, Satan crouches at your door, lift your countenance. But he didn't. And he let jealousy and resentment get to him. Grief, sorrow, those are all real emotions. Offense, that's an emotion. It starts with normally your feelings getting hurt. You're, you're feeling bad. Offense starts that way. Unforgiveness destroys people's lives. So, okay, so those are negative emotions. What are positive emotions? Joy. 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 What else? Happy. 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 Yeah. What else? Excitement. Excitement. Yeah. 
So I have gratitude listed. I have hope, pride, and like a good sense of the word, like confidence, um, amusement, to be amused, love. All of those are good emotions. God created them for us. The pursuit of positive emotions, though, can become a God. And I, uh, <laughs> I was listening to a thing some time ago, and it was an he was a pastor, and he something happened, and he got offended at God, <laughs> and he quit be, being a believer, and he completely left the faith, but he missed the church life. And so we created, have y'all seen that? Have you seen that? There's like atheist churches. And literally what they do is they're going after positive emotions. All the songs are uplifting. They dance, they sing, they clap. And they're just chasing after, they have life groups. And nothing's about God. It's all just chasing after positive emotions. They have amusement, they have the smoke, they have the lights. And I'm not against all those things. But it really can become a God. It says, but sometimes, also, when we're in the presence of the Lord, there's fullness of joy, and at his right hand, there's pleasures forevermore, right? And so I don't want to say that. But also sometimes when we're in the presence of the Lord, he chastens us. He, like, gets on to us. You know, he convicts us and says, okay, well, you've got this in their heart. You need to fix that. So there is joy in the presence of the Lord, but there can also be correction in the presence of the Lord. And so we don't, we need to come, we need to come to church and to follow God for who he is, not just because of the positive emotions that we can have, okay? Another, another one is we don't live to be happy. We live to please God. But yet we know that the happiest, we will be the happiest in the will of God, right? The Bible says the way of the transgressor is hard. But my yoke is and my burden is right. He says, cast all your cares on me, for I care for you. Right? We don't live to be happy. I love chocolate, and chocolate makes me happy. Have you seen the Duck Dynasty where he says, chicken, I love chickens. Chickens make me happy. <laughs> it's like a saying in our house. Like we go all the time. Chickens make me happy. So uh, I love those things. I love chocolate. But I cannot live just to be happy. I cannot survive on eating chocolate, even though chocolate does make me happy. Animals make me really happy. I love lots of animals. I love watching them. I love, I love everything about them. But there's also a lot of bad things that come with animals. And I can't live just to be happy. But we have to live to please God. Um... You know, I've seen people that they've been in marriages and they're no longer happy in their marriage. It's funny with chocolate and it's funny with those things, but they're no longer happy with their marriage. They're no longer happy with their kids, so they just get up and leave. You can't, you just like, well, they don't make me happy anymore, so I'm moving on. That is not God's will for our lives. We have to learn to live to please God. And in that trust that he'll change our emotions, okay? Um, we shouldn't be depressed Christians. We should be happy ones that follow Jesus. James 1.12 says, Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial. 
Having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then, after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. Okay? So sin originates in our emotions. It originates in our desires and things that make us happier, things that make us hurt so it gives us offense. All of those things, sin originates in our emotion, emotions. That's why we need to learn how to put them in right alignment. Okay? I haven't, I haven't discovered a form of unforgiveness that hasn't first started with some kind of emotion attached to it. There's been a trauma, there's been anger, there's been hurt, but I haven't ever discovered it. I've prayed for people for deliverance, and we do all these things, and then we get in there, and I find out there's an unforgiveness, and they seem like they can't get past it because it still hurts. And I'm saying, you have to forgive, you have to forgive. And they say, I can't, I can't, because there's that emotion attached to it, and the devil has is able to keep them there because of that emotion. They think that it's impossible to get out. And that's not true, but I've seen it time and You may have found other ones, but that's all I've ever seen. Satan is able to keep us in places because of the emotion. Um, let's see. <laughs> yeah, so also, we wouldn't sin if there wasn't a positive emotion associated with it. I found some people, they like their demons. So, you know, they really do. They like it. They like the attention that it gives them. They like the different things. And so, but we wouldn't sin if there wasn't a positive emotion. Hebrews 11.25 says that sin is pleasurable for a season. You know, they did those experiments with the monkeys when they put them in a cage and they wanted the monkeys to learn to press the button. And we did this with our dog to ring the door to go outside, to ring the bell to go outside. And every time they do it, we give them a treat. And every time they would press, like, the red button, they would get a treat. And every time they would press the green button, they would get hurt. Well, the monkeys learned what? To press the treat. And sin has a pleasurable emotion to it. It has pleasures to it, or else we wouldn't do it. We're smart. It's not moral. And most of the time, it doesn't even make common sense. But we do it because there's an emotion attached to it, right? Okay? Um... I've found, this is my personal finding, but you may have your own, is that we often tend to sin when we're weak, we're tired, or we're frustrated. You can be drained mentally, you can be around your temptation, but that's when we tend to sin is when we're weak, tired, and frustrated. Our emotions often are down, and we're looking for some kind of pleasure to help bring us up. Right? And so, just be noticeable. I, we, I don't make any decisions if I'm weak, if I'm tired, or if I'm frustrated. I don't make decisions out of those states. I wait. I go pray. I sleep on it. I do something because I know that it's normally not good. Um, and an example is that there's emotions that no one steals until in their first, in their heart, they've coveted. 
No one kills until first they have hated. Right? No one commits adultery until first in their heart they've lusted. And so emotions are the root, at its root, what could be sin. Okay? And um, I'm going to say that emotions are real. We're not denying them. We're not saying they're bad. All I'm trying to say is we need to bring our emotions into right alignment. We need to harness them in the way that God uses us to um, harness them and teach us. We don't push them down. We don't ignore them. And we don't bottle them up. Please hear me. I'm going to say that again. We do not push our emotions down. We do not bottle them. And we do not... Um, ignore them. Okay? We give them to Jesus. Um, I am all for inner healing. I've taken all the classes. I've done all the schools. I've gone and done inner healing for myself. I've done inner healing on others. I've taken time away from my kids and left it with Adrian and Adrian's parents. And I've done things so I can take the classes to do on inner healing. I am all for inner healing. I think getting our emotions is important. I do not, I am not saying to bottle your emotions. That is unhealthy. I am not saying to push them down or ignore them. That is unhealthy. We need healing in this area. We have a deep desire. I have a deep, deep desire that we are healed in our emotions, our spirit, our soul, and our body. Learning to harness our emotions will help us from needing as much deliverance because we won't open the door to sin. <laughs> that makes sense, right? You don't have to have as much, you won't go through as much if you don't open the door to sin as much, right? And it'll help us keep the deliverance we've already experienced. Okay, so here we go. Bible base for emotions. This is point number one. God has emotions. Okay? Simply not a force. It's not like the force be with you and then the dark side, you know? Like, he is a person and he has emotions. Anybody think of some emotions that God has? Call What? Jealousy and anger. Jealousy anger. Yeah. So open up the Old Testament. Let it fall open. You're going through the scripture about the anger of the Lord. <laughs> okay. So it's all through the Old Testament. It's reading about the anger of the Lord and how he had to turn and he is kindled and he's holding back his anger. All of these things. Um, some scriptures for it. Uh, Deuteronomy 4.24. Um, also jealousy. He says, I am jealous over you with a godly jealousy. That's Deuteronomy 5, 9, Nehemiah 1, 2, 2 Corinthians uh, 11, 2. All of those. And jealousy there is to have a warmth or feeling for. So God has a, he's angry, he has jealousy, he's jealous over us. He has a warmth, strong feeling. He wants our time, he wants our attention, he feels good. Compassion. In Psalms 145.8, well, I don't know if that's the Lord's gracious and compassionate, but it sounds like that would be the right verse. Mm. Um, slow to anger, rich in love, that's in Psalms. And so um, I just wrote it down, but I didn't write what scripture was. 2 Kings 13.23, God is full of compassions. Jesus, you read all through the New Testament, and Jesus was moved with compassion, and he healed them. And Jesus was moved with compassion, and he fed the 5,000, right? 
He was, he had compassion. I remember one time I was like in a lot of pain and I was laying in my bed and I said, Jesus, have compassion on me. You know, like he died on the cross for my sins and for my healing, like he didn't have compassion, but I was like super desperate. Have compassion and heal me, Jesus. And so um, he is full of compassion. Hebrews 4.15 says, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness, but was in all points tempted, as were we, yet without sin. So, he has, we talked about anger, jealousy, compassion. Another one we can talk about is grief. Ephesians 4.30-32 says, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger, clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ hath forgiven you. So we can grieve. Sorry. We can grieve the Holy Spirit. You know, for years in my Christian life, I um, did what was right because it was right. And did what was wrong because the Bible said it was wrong. And it was simply like a black and white. Like, this is right, this is wrong. Um, it's good for me to do good, and it's bad for me to do bad, you know? And I would, when I would do bad, I would repent and try not to do those things again. But I remember when I began to develop a friendship with God. You know, he said, I no longer call you slaves, but I call you friends. And I began to develop this friendship with God. And when I would do something bad... I would begin to feel him grieved. I would begin to feel him because it would hurt our relationship. He still forgave me. He still loved me. He still did anything. But I kind of disappointed him. You know, my kids, they disobey sometimes. I don't expect them to be perfect. I, have, I don't have that expectation for them. I know they're human. But when they do things, sometimes it's just like, oh, I wish you wouldn't have done that. It would have been better for you to do this. And I, the, the Lord and the Holy Spirit feels the same thing. You know, it's just like, oh, I wish. You know, I want what's best for you. And we can definitely grieve the Holy Spirit. It says there in Ephesians. You know, God, he knows that we have that sin nature. He knows it. That's why he sent his son on the cross to die for us. So that we could walk in grace and we could walk in freedom. And I feel like just everything changed. And I, I hope that we, we all have that same relationship with the Lord. That when you do something, it's not just like, oh, man. But that you have that relationship with him. That you can feel that he's, oh, why? You know, let me help you. And he's right there. Right there to hold your hand and say, let me help you. He gave his son to die on the cross for us. So that we could live victoriously. In 1 Thessalonians 5.19 it says, Grieve not the Holy Spirit. Desire to know him on a friendship level. You know, you can't have friends without emotions. Right? Part of the friendship is having the same likes. Having the same dislikes. Have laughing over things, crying over things together, having fun, having amusement together. And that's what we need to have with Jesus. He says, I don't call you servants, but I call you friends. He's calling us. 
to, to have emotions with him in the right way. Not, not to greet him, but to have fun with him, to have joy with him, to have peace. He wants that with us. He desires that with us. More than being good and more than being bad, he desires. It's a personal walk with God. It's healthy emotions connecting to God and how he feels about our actions. We need a personal relationship with him and to connect with him emotionally. Like Amelda had that great story about finding her, her earring, you know? And just like that was an emotional connection. Like you looked and looked for it, and the Valentine's Day, you wake up, and God's like, I love you. You know? That's an positive emotion with the Lord, okay? He's... He's not afraid of our emotions. The good, bad, and the ugly. He gave them to us, right? So another emotion God has is joy. It says that he sits in the heavens and laughs. There is no laughing independent of emotion. That would just be weird. Right? <laughs> there is no laughing independent of emotion. Nehemiah 8, 10 says, For the joy of the Lord is your strength. And Psalms 16 and 11 says, In the presence of the Lord there is fullness of joy, and at his right hand there are pleasures forevermore. That's emotional. Pleasures evermore. There's emotions in the Bible. Genesis 1, 27 says, God created us in his image and in his likeness. God has emotions. And you are created in his image and likeness. There was a time in my life, I think, that I bottled down a lot of my emotions. And I wasn't feeling them. That's not God. He's given us emotion. And we need to feel them, okay? So, number two is God intended our emotions to be a blessing and not a curse. So we said, you know how it could originate? How out of... Our emotions, sin originates out of our emotions. But God didn't set it up that way, right? That was the devil. He wants our emotions to be a blessing and not a curse. In Zephaniah 3.14, shout for joy, daughter of Zion. Who's Zion? Uh, uh, us. Very good. Matthew's like, oh. <laughs> I thought you didn't know for a second. Okay, yes. Hebrew tells us that in Hebrews. Okay. Shout for joy, daughter of Zion. Shout in triumph, Israel. Rejoice in triumph with all your heart, daughter of Jerusalem. The Lord has taken away his judgments against you. He has cleared away your enemies. The king of Israel, the Lord, is in your midst. You will no longer fear disaster. On that day, it will be said to Jerusalem, Do not be afraid, Zion. Do not let your hands fall limp. The Lord your God is in your midst, a victorious warrior. He will rejoice over you with joy. He will be quiet. Somebody didn't say, he will rest in his love. He will rejoice over you with shouts of joy. I can't even really comprehend it. I had to like read it a few times. It says, clean, I mean, sing, O daughter of Zion, be excited because the Lord is with you. He's in your midst. And he's resting in his love for you. It's not even in our love for him or what we've done or what we haven't done. Is he rests in his love for you. 
He, in the Jerusalem Bible, verse 17, says that he dances over you. <laughs> he wants us to be happy. He wants us to sing. He wants us to shout for joy. He dances over you. You know, I don't like religious churches, and I don't like churches where you feel like you can't move. I hate it. And so, uh, yes. I don't like it. And I have been the only one that has danced and sang and clapped and shouted in churches before. Sometimes it's not. It's out of a little bit of a stinker heart. <laughs> and sometimes <laughs> it's actually, because that's how I, that's how I worship the Lord at the house. Right? Like, y'all see me. I am very conservative at church versus what I do in the house and in the car. So, I'm just like, this is me being conservative. And so, I do not like churches where you feel like you can't move. And if you, like, jump a little bit, like, everybody turns and stares at you, you know? That's not me. But the Lord dances. It says that he dances over us. He sings over us. God gave us those emotions, and he wants us to be a blessing in our lives, okay? In Luke 15, 10, it says, in the presence of angels, there's rejoicing when one gets saved. I think God is the one that's doing it. It doesn't say that angels are rejoicing. It says, in the presence of angels. So God is rejoicing. What's that? There's that one where Jesus, he gets excited. That parable, I didn't look it up, but he gets excited and he's like jumping for joy. And I just remember Jesus rejoiced exceedingly. And I always want to be like, Jesus was like jumping, like all excited, you know? I wish they gave us more detail about rejoice exceedingly and what that meant. There's four things that you need to know for emotions to be a blessing in your life and not a curse. Okay? Number one, we need to know how to control them. Our emotions don't control us. We control them. Romans 12, 1 and 2, it says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good, acceptable, and perfect. Okay? So, I just wanted to talk about, it says in verse 2, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what the will of God is. Now, if you go back to your science and math classes, Think about what it means to prove something. Do you remember in geometry how we had to write out the proofs? Oh, I love those. And so you would have to show how you did your work, basically. You would have to prove, like, this is the thing. And you would have to prove it. You had to be able to see it. So the Bible says, be transformed so that you can prove. You need to be able to see the transformation or you're not proving it. Proving is seeing when in science, if you have a theory and you have a hypothesis and you, what do you do? You ask questions. The whole scientific method, right? We do it every Tuesday. You do the whole scientific method. At the very end, you have to be able to test it to prove to see if your hypothesis was correct. Proving is in the seeing. 
of it. So we're transformed by the renewing of our minds. But then we should be able to see it. God should be able to see it. And others should be able to see it. If not, we need to stay getting transformed. <laughs> we need to go back and renew our minds. You know, we are not our emotions. Our emotions are you. I wake up most mornings and I just feel grouchy. I feel grouchy. I'm not grouchy. But I feel that way almost every morning until I go downstairs and I get spark or I get coffee. And then I have to pray for like a good time. I need worship music on and I need prayer for I am grouchy. Like I'm yelling at everybody for everything. And sometimes they're not even there. You know, like they're upstairs in sleep. And I am you know, until I need that in my life. I need to be transformed so that I can prove every I wish it wasn't. Even this morning, I tell her, I woke up, I was like, I gotta turn this worship music on right now. <laughs> because but we are not our emotions. They are not us. Um, feelings can minister lies to us. They're real, but they're not reality. Right? We're gonna, I'm going to give you an example of that in a little bit. Okay? Number two is they're not the substance of life. They're not the source. Our emotions, our happiness, our amusement, our joy is not the substance or the source of life. They're simply the spice of life. They're the salt and pepper or Italian seasoning or Old Bay or the kicking chicken of life. Okay? <laughs> the curry. I don't like curry. But they are the spice of life. Jesus is life. Jesus is the source. He is the bread of life. He is life. He's the source of it. Jesus is the Lord of my life and my feelings and emotions are the spices that he gives me. And honors me with as I serve him and allow him to be Lord. You know, there's a reason like we all like sports. And we like to watch sports on TV. We like to do those things. And um, it's because we can fully give our emotions to sports without consequences. You can fully yell at the TV and scream. Ah, why did you do that? You know, you can, you can yell at them and then... Two seconds later, you can jump up and joy and shout and then go back and forth. You can fully give your emotions without consequences. You can't talk to your spouse that way. Like, you can't talk to your boss that way. You can't talk to your coworkers that way or your children. But it allows us to give our emotions over without consequences for a while. You know, in, we like basketball. I like basketball better than I like football. It's, it's fun. And so in sports, though, they have goals, right? The goal is usually to score points, unless you're in golf and you want less points. But in basketball, the more points, the better. That's the goal. The objective is to score more points than the other team, right? And the purpose is to play all four quarters, not quite at half time, but play all four quarters and have the most points at the end. Then, when that happens, you know, I had this really funny clip, and I, like, looked for it for a long time yesterday. I was going to set it up on the projector. That's the one thing that is better about teaching to church than adults is, like, I have my 
thing so I can pop videos up for them. But uh, I guess if I had a screen, I would do it here. But I found this really cool video of like 60 seconds of the best dances at the NFL after a touchdown. You know, and it's like all these fun dances, and you know they score and they they do little jigs and all that kind of stuff, right? And uh, I like watching the dances. Y'all like watching them excited, and it's fun. It's fun to watch them, but that is not the purpose of the game. It's just adds spice and flavor to the game. Nobody would go and pay. 600 bucks a ticket or 300 bucks a ticket to go and watch a bunch of NFL dance, uh, NFL players dance on the football team. <laughs> you know, that's not what they're going to do. That's not the purpose. The purpose is to win, but yet the dancing sure does make it a lot more fun. It spices it up, right? Okay, but it doesn't even change the score. It doesn't make anything happen. Like, for example, if I had some chicken and uh, had plain chicken, and then I had some chicken with spices on it. What chicken would you want? Probably the one with the spices, right? But would you want to eat an entire meal with just, let's say I had chicken and chicken and the salt and pepper? Well, I would choose the chicken with the salt and pepper over just the plain chicken. But would you want to eat a whole meal of just salt and pepper? No, it's not good for you. Some people are just living on their emotions and they just live that way. It's like feeding themselves salt and pepper. <laughs> Jesus is the bread of life. He is the source of our life. It is the meat of the word that we must live on. And our emotions simply bring spice to our life. They're supposed to add flavor to it, but not rule or reign it. It's not healthy. Okay? Um, it says some people want to come to church and dance. I just said how I like dancing in church. But some people want to come to church and dance, but we haven't scored any touchdowns. They want to come to church and feel something, but they haven't obeyed God. They want to experience the fun and the excitement, but they don't want to fulfill any of the objectives, purposes, or goals. They simply want to be bystanders and watch. We are not called to simply watch and see what happens in the kingdom of God. Luke 19, 13 says, Occupy until I come. We are called to advance the kingdom of God. And when we see someone saved, we dance. When we see demons flee, we jump and shout for joy. When we see someone fulfilling the purpose of God, we get excited. But we are called to occupy. Okay? We must build our church on things that last. Alright, number three. They do not govern my decision-making process. We don't make decisions out of emotions that's going off inside of you. We make decisions off of the truth, off of the word of God, off of based upon our spirit, based upon wisdom, based on justice, based on what is right. Feelings are real, but they are not reliable. Oftentimes, they simply tell us what we truly believe about a situation. Millie loves bananas. She experiences excitement and joy when we go and get a banana. When I hold that banana down towards her, she begins to spin. She begins to do all of these tricks because she believes she's going to get a banana. She has all this excitement and joy because she believes she's going to get a 
put our feelings to lie because I'm not going to get rid of it. No, like, you know, they can, they can also often mislead us. They can minister lies to us, you know. We have to submit them to the lordship of Jesus. Feelings will respond to a lie. They will. They will be real, but not reliable. You know, we've all had dreams, or I've had dreams. I imagine you've had some where you had a terrible dream, and you wake up and you feel that emotion after that dream. Was that real? No, it was a dream. But your feelings responded to them, right? Our feelings can respond to, to lies or things that are true. I can tell you a bold-faced lie, and you can believe the lie, and your feelings will respond. So we're going to pretend for a moment, okay? And we're going to pretend that you have a son, and his name is Scout, okay? And we're going to say somebody walks in here, and they're going to say, Scout's been in an accident, and he needs help. Immediately, you feel fear. I feel my heart sink. I feel anxious. There's a whole wide gamut of emotions, right? And then that person goes, why are you jumping up? It wasn't your son. It was just the dog. Or it was, just, it was another kid. And then all of a sudden, what do you feel? Relief. Relief. So within 20 seconds, you feel relief. But then... All of a sudden, if it was another kid, you're like, oh, no. Now I felt relief, and I'm ashamed that it wasn't my kid. It was somebody else. And then you feel relief. So in a matter of 60 seconds, you feel all of these emotions. Your emotions can lie to you. There's nobody named Scout, and Scout never got hurt. But we all felt those emotions, right? Okay. Um, it comes out of culture. But do it. If it feels good, do it. Right? Do what feels good. Do what makes you happy. That's all cultural lies. We really need to do what God's told us to do because in that is the full, that is what's going to give us life and fulfillment, right? All right. Um, so Galatians 5, 24. Now those who belong to Christ, Jesus, crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Right? We crucified our flesh with our passions and our desires. Our emotions, right? Okay. Um, it is so important. You know, we've had some hard times in our lives and in our marriages and uh, just in life in general. I, a lot of you have heard some of my story and there's a lot to it, but I've had some really hard times. And the moment, you can ask Adrian, the moment that something bad happens, I run to my room and I normally throw the covers over my head and I run to Jesus. I take all of my emotions, I take everything, even the, the hard, hard parts of my life. I remember we were, we were going through marriage counseling one time and we were having some hard times and the guy asked me, goes, what'd you do? And I said, I got in the car and I drove to Dublin and prayed until I was there and back. And he said, you didn't like act out in anger. You didn't like do all of these things. And I said, no. I just got in the car and prayed in tongues. And he said, why? And I said, that's all I know to do is to run to Jesus. And it's just in those hard emotions, we have to run to Jesus. He is the source of our life. 
We go to him and let him minister hope and love and joy and peace until it begins to manifest in our lives. That's the important. He wants to minister to it, minister it to us, but then it needs to manifest in our lives, and we need to begin to walk in hope and joy and peace. Remember, we're transformed so that we can prove it. And sometimes it takes longer than others. Sometimes we got to keep saying it over and over, and we've got to make the confessions. But if you run to him, he will do it. We have to crucify our flesh in the fact that when we are hurt, we don't respond in anger or unforgiveness or any of those things, but we run to him. You know, years ago, some people came to, a girl came to me for um, just some counseling, and her husband had committed an affair on her. And she was very angry, and rightfully so, and she was very hurt, rightfully so, and she had emotions, and they were real, and rightfully so. They weren't really lying to her at that moment. Like, it was a hurtful situation in her life. And so we were just kind of talking and, and praying. I don't do a whole lot of good counseling, but I will pray for you. And um, I, I just like to pray. Like, let's just... Not talk. Let's pray and let the Lord lead what I need to say, kind of. You know, it's a lot better than what I had to say anyways. And so we were just kind of talking and, and praying and going through it. And she stopped and she goes, Kayla, it almost makes me just want to go and have an affair. <laughs> I looked at her and I said, well, I can understand, but th that's not right. You know, that's not, you can't do that because you're accountable to God for what those things. And we just prayed that the Lord would kind of helped take that away, and she kind of prayed for it, and, but she worked through it, and, and they stayed married for many years after that, and uh, then not too, a couple years ago, I guess now, she went and had a family, <laughs> and it ruined, and they were in ministry, they were in all of these things, and they had, uh, he had kids, and, uh, but it completely wrecked, but she left that emotion stay in her all that time and she never really crucified it says we have to crucify our flesh and she never really did it and it it ruined ministry she let her feelings though they may be real our feelings are real but they cannot like i said they cannot make our decisions for us and um, it ruined lots of things in their lives and their ministry we have to learn to run to jesus we cannot bottle down our feelings or emotions or hide them. We have to give them to Jesus. He comes and he heals us. He makes us whole. Where we're no longer bothered by them. That's when you know you're whole. It's where you can talk about that hurt and it no longer hurts. He's completely healed you. You can talk about it. You know, you can get better or you can get free. You know you're free when that hurt isn't there as much. Okay? We have to go to Jesus. He is, the, I say that a lot, but that's because I mean it. <laughs> I'm purposely repeating it. We have to go to Jesus. He is the author and the finisher of our faith. He is the bread of life. He is hope and joy and peace. He is the healer and the redeemer and the deliverer. He is all of the things. We have to run to Jesus 
and not stay in our emotions. We have to run to Jesus in the hard times. He can fully handle all of us. You know, I read a thing on Facebook this week, and it said, when God called you, he calculated your stupidity. You know? <laughs> it feels so refreshing. He can fully, he gave them to us. He can handle them. We don't have to hold back or bottle anything down, but we must run to him. Finally, number four, your feelings are not final authority in your life. It is real that we feel down, but it's not the final authority. It's real that you may feel unloved, but it's not the final authority. Sometimes I feel like moving and going to minister somewhere else, but God told me to stay here in El Paso. It is not the final authority in my life. You know, when I was thinking about that, Peter, he, when they were taking Jesus away, Peter got out of the sword and cut off the ear. He had an emotion of anger at that moment. But it wasn't the final authority. Jesus picked up the ear and healed it. And the emotions are real, but they are not our final authority. God will help us with our feelings and our emotions if we know how to put them in right alignment. And he will change them. He does not want to leave us that way. Okay? And uh, I'm going to close with these verses. In Isaiah 26, 3, it says, He will keep you in perfect and constant peace. The one whose mind is steadfast, that is committed and focused on you, both in inclination and character, because he trusts and takes refuge in you with hope and confident expectation. That's the Amplified. I'll read the record. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. In Psalms 119, 165, it's my favorite verse. Great peace have they that love your law and nothing shall offend them. Father, I just thank you that you keep us in perfect peace. Father, I thank you that you keep us in perfect peace as we keep our minds on you. Lord, help us to keep our minds on you in every situation that we face. Help us to keep our minds on you. Lord, I thank you right now if there's just any hurt in our lives, if there's any parts that haven't been completely healed up. Father, I thank you that you just come in and you begin to heal our hearts supernaturally right now. Father, I thank you that we will not leave here the same way that we came. Father, I thank you that we leave here whole, we leave here rejuvenated, we leave here full of hope and joy of the good things that you have for us. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.